Welcome to the Word Podcast. The Lord God has given us His Word. Let us learn it. Let us live it. Let us rejoice in it. Spread the Word. Blessings, everybody. This is Dale. Thank you so much for joining with me on the Word Podcast today. We are in the 24th chapter of Matthew. But today, in the next episode, we're going to uh, look at the cross-references related to the first few verses of Matthew 24. So today we're going to go to Mark 13. And what's going to happen is you're going to hear the account that we heard in Matthew, and it's going to sound very familiar because it is familiar. But there's little details here and there which I want to point out that give us the fuller picture of everything. Okay, And these are really, really important. And don't worry, I'll reiterate it over and over. I will today when we go back and look at the details of Matthew 24. I'll point them out again, okay? That's how you learn, line upon line, step by step, precept upon precept, right? So here's Mark chapter 13, verse 1. It says this, And Jesus was going out of the temple. Remember that? Remember what had happened? (laughs) One of Jesus' disciples said to him, Teacher, Behold, what wonderful stones and what wonderful buildings. (laughs) Jesus had just had that encounter, remember? The woe to you, scribes, Pharisees, you hypocrites. Now they're coming out, and one of the disciples is, I think, trying to lighten the moment, trying to distract, trying to make everybody feel better, okay? Not not in a malicious way. It's just how we do things sometimes. Verse 2, And Jesus said to him, Do you see these great buildings? Not one stone will be left upon another which will not be torn down. So they leave from the temple right there. They go and they walk over to the Mount of Olives. We're not told what's happening here. <coughs> We're not told uh, what the conversation was. Verse 3, as he was sitting on the Mount of Olives opposite the temple. So that means he's sitting over the mount. There's the valley right there, and he's looking across over at the temple, and he sees it. As he's sitting there, Peter and James and John and Andrew were questioning him privately. So these four came to Jesus privately, not with the other disciples, not with the other people that would have been walking and following with him. Here's what they said, verse 4. Tell us, when will these things be? And what will be the sign when all these things are going to be fulfilled? So we went into some detail about that in the previous episode from the Matthew account. They're wanting to know, when are these things going to be fulfilled? And if there's a sign involved with this, what is the sign going to be? Well, Jesus began to say to them, See to it that no one misleads you. Ah, remember that from the previous episode? Now let me just read the entire account. Many will come in my name saying, I am he. And that he is in italics right here to where we understand what he's saying. I think it's more powerful that the he. Many will come in my name saying, I am. They will come proclaiming that they are the great I am, that they are the most high God, that they are the Yeshua HaMashiach, that they are the Messiah. He says, many will come in my name. Notice that. They're coming in my name saying, I am. That's even more interesting because I think it also means that there's going to be many coming in the name of the Lord saying they're believers. Okay? saying that Jesus is the great I am. Okay, They will acknowledge that Jesus is the great I am, but they will mislead many. See, there's sort of a twofold way of looking at that. So there'll be some that will be saying that they are God themselves. Okay, And we think, oh, well, those will be the easy ones <coughs> to discount. 
Well, maybe yes, maybe no. Okay? But many will come in my name saying, I am, and will mislead many. So does that mean that many will come saying that Jesus is the I am, but that they will also mislead many? And I think there's some truth there. Verse 7, Jesus continues, When you hear of wars and rumors of wars, do not be frightened. Those things must take place, but that is not yet the end. Notice again the, the imperative, the command, do not be frightened. We saw it in the sixth verse over in Matthew 24. Do not be frightened. Why? Because these things must take place. That's interesting. Matthew said the same thing. He says it here. We'll look at it more later, but it must take place. But it's not yet the end. Verse 8. For nation will rise up against nation and kingdom against kingdom. Wait till you see what that means. There will be earthquakes in various places. There will also be famines. These things are merely the beginning of birth pangs. Verse 9. But be on your guard. Now that's a little uh, thing that we didn't see uh, in Matthew. Mark says that Jesus says, be on your guard. It's okay to be on your guard. Sometimes it's easy uh, to uh, be sort of fatalistic about all this. <coughs> Say, well, whatever's going to happen is going to happen. There's nothing I can do about it. No, Jesus said be on your guard. It literally means this in the Greek. Look to yourselves. Look to yourselves. Be on your guard. Watch out for yourselves. Why? Verse 9. For they will deliver you to the courts, and you will be flogged in the synagogues, and you will stand before governors and kings for my name's sake as a testimony to them. So we're getting some detail right here that we'll put this all together after we look at Matthew, Mark, and Luke, okay? But notice what he says. Be on your guard, but you're going to be delivered. You're going to be delivered to courts. Well, what kind of courts? Well, he says you're going to be fl flogged in the synagogue, so you have the synagogue, the religious kind of thing. But then it says you'll stand before governors and kings, so it's both religious and political powers that be that you're going to be hauled before, and it's going to be for my sake. My sake in a couple of ways, as we'll see as we go along. Uh, it will be as a testimony to them. I love what Luke says. We'll see this in the next episode. He says this, It will lead to an opportunity for your testimony. You're going to be able to proclaim the truth to these powers that be. Now, the immediate thing that comes to our mind is, well, what am I going to say? What am I going to say? Don't worry about that because he tells us in a minute, don't worry about it. Verse 10, the gospel must first be preached to all the nations. You know, that's preached a lot as a motivator for believers to go out and preach, and we are to go out and proclaim the gospel. We are to live the gospel. But this is going to be done in a way that most people don't know. It's really interesting. We'll see that later. <clears throat> Verse 11, when they arrest you and hand you over, do not worry beforehand about what you are to say. Jesus tells us not to worry and not to fret over what we're to say when we get hauled before the religious and political powers that be. He says this, But say whatever is given you in that hour. In that hour. Luke gives us some more insight into this. We'll look at that later, okay? So you're going to be given what to say in that hour. Then Jesus says, For it is not you who speak, but it is the Holy Spirit. <laughs> well, folks, that right there is powerful, is it not? He says they're going to arrest you. They're going to hand you over. 
You know, people say, well, I'm sort of worried about this. They won't kill you. Well, perhaps they will. But what's interesting, Luke says, don't worry about that because not a hair on your head is going to be harmed. Really? You can be killed without a hair on your head being harmed? Uh-huh. We'll see that later. It's not you who's going to speak. It's going to be the Holy Spirit, which sort of begs the insight and the question that you need to be walking in the power of the Holy Spirit. Right? Now, last couple of verses, verse 12. Brother will betray brother to death, and a father his child, and children will rise up against parents and have them put to death. Do you see the intensity of the time? Literally, family members are going to be raised raising up against people and have them put to death because of their faith and belief in Jesus. This has happened historically. It is happening now. It will happen in the future. We want to sit there and say, oh, well, that would never happen. There's no way in our society. Really? Just look at the political foolishness of the day and tell me that's not going to happen. Last verse, 13. You will be hated by all because of my name. But the one who endures to the end, he will be saved. How do you know that you're truly saved? What did Paul say about that? How do you know you're truly saved? You know you're truly saved because you endure to the end. If you don't endure to the end, you were never saved at the beginning. It's really quite simple. Well, my time's up. We'll continue looking at this later, okay? Again, I'm Dale. Thank you for your time. I'll see you then.